Welcome to Life With Your Dog podcast. Our focus is educating dog owners, enthusiasts and dog trainers about ideas on how to train, manage, live and thrive with our dogs. To teach dogs to live in our society while our dogs teach us how to live in the now. I'm your host Panos Anagnostou. And I'm your co-host Luke Badman. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of Life With Your Dog. My name is Panos and today I have some exciting news for you. If you're not following me on Instagram, Facebook, um, I've announced just the other day that we have been trialing um, adopt- a trial adoption for a new dog called Chili. He's a coolie, he's one years old and wow, what an exciting, been maybe 13 days now and we're basically all the way there. In terms of right at the end of that trial, I said about two weeks and at this stage it looks like he's going to be our dog. But today I wanted to kind of go through our experience, my experience, what led me to this experience, why did I choose um, specifically Chili and also things that you can learn from. So if you are thinking of getting a new dog, he's a rescue dog, he's not a puppy and you want to see if things are going to work out. Um, the reason for the trial adoption is that instead of committing 100% without really getting to know the dog, you know, be in touch with the pe- people who have the dog, the rescue organization, the shelter or wherever, and request, hey, can I do like a four-week trial? Four-week trial is probably a good time because it t- does take about four to six weeks for a dog to adapt into a new environment. And that's where we start to see real and true behaviors start to come to light. And of course, once he starts to feel more comfortable, he or she, then they start to show exactly what it is that they feel and think and also maybe some of those initial um, behaviors that you see in the first two weeks may start to go away as well because, you know, stress and, you know, change of environment, all those things do play a role in behavior and how we think, act and feel. So, um, and it takes the pressure off a little bit. You know, having that trial gives you um, a lot more control over or it kind of takes the angst out of everything, you know, instead of going, wow, it's a commitment now and it's all over. What if it doesn't work out good for you then? And what if the dog isn't right for, for the things that you require and your lifestyle and, you know, your, your family situation and everything else? It's really, really important that you are making sure that you're making the right decision. So that way then we're not stuck at six months down the track trying to rehome a dog that has probably developed some issues and also scarred you mentally, emotionally as well, because it's always a very rough time. So, um, so you always want to inquire, why is the dog up for adoption? Are you at a rescue um, situation or at a shelter where um, the dog is there, where you're looking for him? And not all the time there is a backstory. Sometimes dogs are stray, sometimes dogs have been found, um, they've been surrendered, and with, with a surrender that means that there's a lot more information that you can get from the dog, so it's always really important. But if it's from somebody who owns a dog, then get as much information as possible. What is it? Is it that you had the dog for the first six months and things weren't working out, you were a little bit way over your head, took too much on, right breed, the wrong breed, all these different things. So for for Chili specifically, the reason why, and, and this is a really um, great situation for Chili, is that Rachel, who owns him, or owned him, we're in this transition now, she, um, she bred the litter, um, specifically with a breeder, so their dogs and so he's a coolie and coolies are a working line dog very similar looking to like a kelpie but a lot different and um and basically all of the litter had been sent all around the world for competition stuff such as fly ball and dock 
dock diving and and um, scent stuff and a whole bunch of other stuff. And I haven't got any specifics on that, but soon I'm going to get to know, you know, um, Chili's siblings and everything else. But Chili at the time wasn't really suited for what it is that they were being sold for. He was a little bit nervy at the time. So Rachel did the right thing by going, no, look, I'm going to keep him on. I'm going to work on the things that need to be worked on. And her experience with training and again, not that I've asked for qualifications, but it just the proofs in the pudding, what I see in the conversations that we've had and all the information that Rachel sent me before I even met her in Chile was outstanding, amazing. So she um, she took him on. She did everything that she needed to do. Again, she does live rural New South Wales, so it's harder to get used to an environment like where I live in Monterey in Sydney, where there's a lot of things happening. However, um, the foundations that she laid and the counter conditioning, the training, the basics of markers and, and understanding of, you know, canine psychology and training is evident because she laid the most amazing foundation for me to continue. And our training style is very, very similar. So counter conditioning him and desensitizing him to this world and being able to see how much can he focus and listen on has been an incredible thing for us. So I've been lucky and I guess I did specifically go in and I guess that was my next point was well, what is it that I was looking for in a dog? So basically, I was looking for a Kelpie or a Cooley, and I did want a dog between one to two years old. And as we know, if you are an avid listener of the podcast, is that I, you know, last year I committed, or I tried to commit to getting a puppy, and it didn't work out. And for many reasons, you can listen back to that. But um, I decided I need a dog that's agile, that's fit, that's young, that's social, that's stable, that has high drive, so we can do a lot of. Um, you know, a lot of training with the ball and the tug and wanting that sort of intensity, but also a dog that can go from nine till six, a full day in the summer, you know, five days a week. So I need a dog that's nimble and agile to get up in, in and out of the car. And also a dog that's that's social and knows how to play, but also can leave them alone. And the most important part of socialization is learning to be calm and comfortable around dogs. So these are the things that I was looking for. And these are the things that I have been seeing in Chile as well. So that's the reason for that. And of course, if I have to raise a puppy, um, the thing about raising a puppy for something so specific is that you don't know exactly what you're going to get in a year because things change, genetics and environmental and all the other things come into play. So I think this was more of a safer option for retiring spades because he's almost 11 now. I do want to kind of give him a lot less um, stress in his life and he's had surgery recently. So, you know, he's still recovering from that and being a bit older. He's, he's all good though um, for everybody to know, like all is well. But however, we need to think about, you know, this summer coming. So um, so that's what I was looking for. And I was patient enough. And of course, then there was a lot of um, girls from Fetching Dogs, um, Ruth and Christy and um, and a couple other girls as well as Fiona, um, you know, who works with us at Nutris Pooches. Um, she, I got like four different people um, sending um, Chili's details, like four or five different people in the space of two days. So I thought there was a bit of a sign there. So I followed it up and we were in contact a lot. And we waited for Spades to recover from his surgery before bringing Chili on. So we were in close contact. We had all of that. And, and I did, we did agree to doing this sort of trial time to see if it's going to suit. Because not only do I need a, a dog that's suitable for, for work, being around puppies, being around boisterous dogs, being around aggressive dogs, um, being around people and every single different situation, we do need a dog that's specific that's going to fulfill those roles. And also... I wanted to make sure that my dog's going to be safe with my family. I've got a two-year-old son. I've got a wife. I've got a cat. I've got two other dogs. One of them's five kilos. The other guy's 38 kilos, you know, and so all of these things play a part. You know, I also want to know um, how is he going to, how, 
something. So I've got a little bit of a technical difficulty here, so just bear with me for a second, sorry. Pull me back on. Is that it's really important that everything that I'm looking for has to be fulfilled within those two weeks at least. And at least I'm looking at not just temperament and how he responds, but also how he recovers from situations. I also want to know what's his potential. Yeah, he may be a little bit unsure. Like last week, a lady opened up her umbrella and he tripped out, growled and carried on and was very flighty. Well, it wasn't very flighty. He was making space and he was sussing it out. He recovered very quickly. I said his name. He snapped his head towards me, a mark and reward. And again, I've been continuing with this stuff, but all of that has been Rachel's hard work laying those foundations has been incredibly amazing. So if you if you are listening to this and you're thinking of a dog that needs to be moved on for whatever reason, and if you're in this position, I guess if you can do it, then I guess why rehome it? But everyone's situation is different. Is do as much as you can with this dog so that going to the new home is really important. Everything that I would teach dogs at shelters and at rescue organizations, and not just teaching dogs, but teaching staff and volunteers of Laying these sort of foundations so important, especially for trainers when, when they do go into the home that we can help people in these trial adoption phases out a lot easier. So kind of went on a bit of a tangent there. So I'm going to go back to my list. So organizing. Okay. So if you are getting a dog for a trial adoption, I do highly recommend organizing a dog training within that trial period. So, um, so they can guide you through a good transition and making sure that you're setting up your house, good management, good training, good start off on the right foot so that way that your pup your dog or your puppy is learning how to be assimilated in your environment rather than catering to the dog and giving him all this freedom and then over time we have to um take away dog's freedom so and i say this all the time we want to make sure that we micromanage a dog and then over time we give them a little bit more freedom i'm going to get into that in a moment i think i'm jumping ahead on my list here so Get yourself some help. Don't wait for problems to start. Always be proactive when it comes to our training, especially in these sensitive times. So for me, it was good timing. It was good timing that my son's a little bit older, introducing a new dog. We're in a lot more of a good structure and routine, timing with spades. Everything has fit in well. I'm looking, I was looking initially for the breed. There was a couple of dogs that I've been looking at that, that, um, that didn't fulfill the criteria. So being patient and not being impulsive is really important. Because um, I do believe that the universe will give back to you when you ask for it, when you look for it. But also we have to know not to um, be too impulsive and be impatient. So I think that's, that was really important for me as well. When Chile came to, um, so it was Tuesday week. Um, I couldn't even tell you the date now. Let's find out the date of when he came. It was Tuesday the 28th of September is when he got dropped off. And I took four days off. So four solid days off where the first day I took him for four walks. We did like 23,000 steps. I took him different environments, different places, different times of the day when it was windy, when it was rainy, um, different stimulus. Is he going to see bikes? Is he going to see dogs? So I went to different parks, different places, jumped in the car. I did as much as I could in those first four days. I didn't overdo it. I wasn't um, burning myself out but I was making sure that that was my focus I want to take note I want to make sure that I'm recording some stuff so I can look back on it because in the moment it's hard to kind of be aware of it set your camera up do a little interaction and when he sees the kite flying from the kite surface in the distance he looks at it he's like what's that and I ask for ask for his attention I say chili and I play a little tiny bit of I don't even have to even do any pressure but I've been teaching him as well and we'll get into this um a little tiny one out of ten tap on the leash say his name he looked at me mark and reward and then over time, I did this. I would 
continue exactly because I was watching videos of how Rachel was training him and counter conditioning him when she did take him to the shops and things like that. Um, again, she lives in rural New South Wales, so driving 30 minutes to a local town was her situation. So you can see that he got used to quietness, big um, expansiveness. Again, good good experience with all of her dogs. She has, a, has multiple dogs as well. Really, really great time. But again, those foundations saved us because now I was able to not have to work so hard with kites and with people walking with umbrellas and people with um, prams and scooters and kids and all that sort of stuff. And not just, it was more about the intensity. So he did look a little bit concerned and stressed for those first few days. Um, and just yesterday I went for a walk. I had the food on me, going to get into that in a moment as well. Went for a walk and I didn't have to use much food. And the reason why is because I don't want to have to rely on the food. Otherwise in food drive, he's a very food driven dog. However, I want him to be able to absorb the environment. When it, there's one thing about assessing a dog and there's another thing about training a dog. When you're assessing them, you want to have a little input so you can see how they cope. But then, of course, I'm not just solely assessing him. I do want to see what's his potential and I do want to help him out and make him have positive experiences. So having a training plan and trying and having a goal of desensitizing him and habituating him to the world is important. So there's a bit of a balance there. And that's where, again, a dog trainer can help you with that. So um, in those first four days, the and the first, sorry, in the first four days in particular, but the first two weeks, I'm only focusing on focus and engagement. I want him to be able to engage on me as much as possible. I also want to be working on relationship building, and that's what it's all about. It's about showing him that we're not just doing training, we're just we're not just training stuff, and I'm not just giving him tricks to do, and I'm not only using food to like distracting from the world. I want to be able to show him, hey, you come to me, and we're cool, we hang out together, me, Nookie Spades. Um, and Chili go for our walk and we give him long lead time. We do all of that stuff. And that's the relationship building. And, you know, the relationship that he's developed with both Spades and Nookie has been awesome as well. Not to mention my son, my gosh. He uh, he wakes up from his nap. He's like, mostly Chili, mostly Chili. I love Chili. And it's really cool to see as well. So they do already have a bond. And, and also my wife is um, he's all over him, loves him as well. So everyone's everyone's on board, which is um, really good. But again, it's all about developing that trust and when it comes to the training side of things, I want to be working on establishing my own markers. And when I'm, when I'm working on markers with him, markers and certain commands are a completely different word and sound to anything that my dogs are used to and anything that I'm going to be teaching my clients. So that way they have raw commands. I've been using a clicker with him. I've been using different markers, um, verbal markers. So that way they, when I do, and there are some that are the same as well. But that way, I don't want to confuse him. I don't want to take away the, the value of those markers when we are at work. So that way there, I can tell him to do things individually in a different language where um, it doesn't mean anything to the other dogs. So that's what I've been doing there. And also just some basic loose, loose leash walking. So introducing him to the martingale collar, walking really well. He never was really a big puller, but I was teaching him in the way that I like it. And he's been responding very, very well. He's not erratic on the leash. He's very focused on me. He walks nicely with the dogs. And it's only been not even two weeks yet. So again, I've been doing as much positive stuff as possible. I haven't had to really get him in trouble for anything. I've been managing everything that he has access to when he comes inside the house. He's on the leash. Um, I do have a cat. I want to talk about the cat a little bit later as well. And a few things there that we're working on, but nothing too dramatic. Every single time I leave the house... I practice what I preach. I've, preach. I've got a separate training pouch just for chili and it's his breakfast or his dinner and basically all of his food has been coming from me. So that way there, 
he learns that when we engage with the world, I am the most important thing. I bring value to your life, and that's been really working really well. There are, of course, times where I'm not going to feed him from the pouch, so I've been filling up a couple of kongs with his um, with the meals that he has left over, and I've been doing a bit of raw feeding with him as well. So that's been awesome as well. Make sure that you do that. Don't be giving your dog so much free food and then expect him to focus on you out there, especially when you don't even know each other. So on saying that as well, as I said mentioned before, I don't want to be walking down the street with our dog staring at us in food drive the whole time because they never really take observation of anything around them. I want them to be able to see. So for example, a couple of nights ago, maybe five nights ago, we went for a walk and it was nighttime, probably about 10.30 at night. And there was two gentlemen walking with um, fishing rods. Only we, can, we can only see their silhouette. And as we we're walking past them, he um, hackles went up, he did the low growl, like, hey, what's that? And in that moment, I was assessing him and also training him. So he got, and this was probably about seven meters away. He's like, ooh, what's that? And then he had that moment of, hey, he looked up towards me. I clicked it and I gave him like a massive handful of food. And he looked at him again, looked back at me, mark and reward. Third time, and the third time I went to go reward him, the dog was, um, the people were probably about a meter away. He just looked at them, a little bit concerned, but not too bad. Looked back at me, I fed him. And the day after, it was during the day, so different, nighttime and daytime, a bit different. But went down the same spot, so much activity there. It was like a public holiday. I think it was like Sunday or Monday. Loads of people, loads of stuff, and no reaction. Very calm, basically just laid down and had a little nap while we sat there for about 15 minutes right next to the path there. So I'm looking for these things because I need a a dog that he may not be strong and stable with every single situation to begin with, but I'm looking at the potential that he has and he's only a year old. So, um, so we're looking really, really, really good. And for him to like be cool with everything would be ridiculous too. If he lives in a rural property and not being exposed to this world as much as we are, it's all very expected. So don't be don't be feeling down that your dog's like, oh, he's scared of cars. Um, give it a couple of days or a week and do your work towards it as well. Um, because the first walk we went on a bus stop, phew, makes a noise and he, he jumped back. He's like, what the hell is that? Um, he recovered very quickly, focused back on me, walked past the bus, no dramas. So it's not about the reaction, more so it's about that recovery time. Existential feeding so important. I just want to wrap up on that because I want him to learn that he goes hungry without the training. I never limit the food. He still gets the food that he was supposed to get anyway. I never go, well, you didn't work today. You don't get food. It hasn't been any of that. But um, but that's super important. Something that a lot of people are hesitant about, but I think it's very valuable. So another thing about that as well is, so as I say, sometimes when I feed him, I give him small handfuls, maybe three at a time. That would be like the average reward. But a jackpot would be giving him a massive amount or the, the entire, whatever you got, the entire contents of your pouch. We're at Walleye Creek, which is a little bit of a different situation, having a staff meeting with Fiona and, and her dog, Pickle. And I put Jilly in a sit. I walked away and called him to come. He ran past quite a few dogs and people, didn't even take notice, did it with power intensity, sat at my feet. I clicked it, which is a terminal marker, means that he can break the position outside of that sit from the recall. And I emptied the, the, um, the entire contents of the food on the ground. So that way there he learns... A big amount of food can come from the recall, a normal amount, no amount, maybe the ball, and he loves the ball, but he doesn't know what reward he's going to get. So that intermittent schedule of reinforcement right off the bat, continuing with where, again, where he came from with all the foundations Rachel put in, um, we're already getting, and again, I've started to change the command as well. So I wanted to, I'm giving a few commands in Greek, just so that way there, it's not going to be so confusing for him. And um, what was the next point here? I was about to ask, do we have any questions? But 
you can, you can email that to me if you like. Um, so temperament att- assessing him, taking him to every environment situation I can think of. I've said that vet checks are, I trust Rachel. She did vet checks on him before he came out to us, checking hips and health and, and everything. I was doing blood work on him, so everything was all good. He does have an undescent, one undescended testicle that must be removed and um, because when an undescended testicle stays in the abdomen, it can cause cancer and stuff, so we will be removing that um, once we get all the formalities out of the way. So what I've got here, and also doing your own vet checks, like check over the dog, regularly check over the dog. What's going on? You saw here, you got a scar here, what's going on? So that way there, if anything happens, you know if there's any abnormalities or any injuries. Being prepared to live in your home. So management of the yard, separation issues with a question mark, um, your car set up and lead on in the house. So let's talk real quick about that. As you've probably heard me say a million times before that my yard is split in half. I've put a pool gate to block it off halfway so there's dog land and people land so when we were looking after dogs we let the dogs excuse me be on the other side of the fence there and so I've been getting chilly and my dogs spades and nookie would just spend any I can put them in any area of the house and there's no dramas so the first day or two there was a lot of howling and barking we just ignored him when he was calm and quiet we let him back out we're showing him that these are the different options and places that you've got to stay in the house where he has been crate trained since he was five weeks old and I do set up a crate for when he's in the car I'm in the boot of my, in the canopy of my ute, my pickup truck. And so that's where I keep him crated. And I could crate him at nighttime, but he's been happy to sleep out in the yard with the dogs. A couple of holes here and there, nothing that we're too concerned about. Um, so he has access to the whole backyard at nighttime, but there are intermittent times where I, se- I separate him for feeding time, for when I'm doing different things. I'm letting the cat out for a few times before they got to meet each other properly. So that, that space, that management's really important. Having a lead on the house, because as I said, I do have a cat. Let's real quickly talk about the cat. There's no dramas, but he'd never seen a cat before. So when he saw Romeo for the first time, he was like, hackles up and, oh, what's that? Wow, I need to suss that out. More unsure than anything. I'm concerned not about aggression towards a cat and being defensive and scared and trying to bite it. I'm more worried about that predation, that prey drive. Romeo runs if he gets um, freaked out and then... I just don't want any dog because all dogs have this potential. It's just a run out of instinct and like step on him or bite him by accident, things like that. So every interaction was on the leash and through the glass. And now, like for example, last night, Jilly slept on the on the bed inside of our house with the leash on, but I wasn't holding it. And he was there for like four hours sleeping right next to Spades and Nookie and the cat was within visual of them. So they've understood each other. Um, well, Romeo did give him a swipe on the nose yesterday and Chili had a big whoa, whoa, whoa about it. And I thought that was um, quite quite comical since it was a big reaction to not much of a, re- of, of a scratch. But again, these things need to be um, supervised because you don't know what's going to happen. So funny, only after in the moment, it's like, hey, what's going on? I let the cat hold its ground. If the cat's going to go hiding inside the little carnival tent thing that where like Leonardo likes to play and Chili's going to stuff his head into it. Well, that's just what cats do. You need to learn that cats are on top of the dog so that way that we don't have any confusion. Cat can do whatever he likes within reason. Um, he's not a bully or anything. He knows how to hold himself around dogs. But Chili just needs to know not to run up so fast to him and just to respect his space and basically just let him be. And then eventually I know just like how Romeo is with Spades and Nookie. They hang out and snuggle next to each other and all that. And I know that's going to happen at some stage as well. So... Management's everything. People lack that management, what a lack of management, which means ah, just let, let them sort it out, let them figure it out, let them be inside the house all the time. 
with this massive amount of freedom you've given this dog, over time you start giving them less and less and less because they've learned to do a whole bunch of ridiculous behaviors, emptying out the bin and chewing the skirting boards and you know, grabbing the toilet roll and peeing on the couch and who knows what. So make sure with me, I'm micromanaging. You come in the house, the leash is on, stay on your bed. I don't, and again, thank you, Rachel. All I say is bed. The dog lays on the bed, just stays there. I don't have to do anything. I just sit on the couch. He stays there. He's happy to be there. He can, I want my house to all my dogs. And this is how it is. My house is a Zen temple. Inside the dwelling, we're chilling. Nothing's going on. Outside, backyard, out in the street, it's go time. We do stuff. So make sure that you set that up right from day one. And again, the first week, he only came in once or twice. I didn't want him to learn to come inside because when I chuck him back outside, we have the barking and the scratching at the door because he's expecting to be in. So I showed him at first, hey, bro, this is where you're at. The dog's going to spend a little bit more time outside with you. There was times where I brought spades and nookie and I left him outside after a big day of work or a big day of walking this bloke everywhere. I was exhausted. I didn't want to have to deal with him. So outside, and he was happy with it. He, there is no separation distress whatsoever, which is good. The car set up, um, I'm not going to go too much detail about it, but I've ventilated it, making sure that it's nice and cool for him and, and he's been traveling really nicely. I don't have to have a car, a dog in my car, but having him out the back there secured in, in his crate is awesome. 100% supervision around my son, um, which is a, a must. There is like no ways about it. There's nothing happened. Um, nothing averse has happened towards him. But again, if anything was to occur, you need to be there to control it, to manage it to correct behaviors you don't like, both child and dog. Um, and that's really important. If you, if my son was going up to Chile and poking something into his ear, um, Leonardo has to understand that's inappropriate and he'll, and the consequence will be whatever. I'll just be telling him and educating that you're not allowed to do that, stop doing it, blah, blah, blah. And then I probably put Chile at the back, close the gate. If I can't supervise him, I'm going to run to the bathroom or whatever. And that's exactly what I've been doing. So... If you have children with a dog, especially with a dog that you don't know, but this is the rule for children roughly under eight years old, constant supervision is a must because accidents happen all the time. Keeping in touch with previous owner is a really, really important topic here because it's in, if you're not, first of all, like we lose touch, we don't know where we're at, asking any questions, what, what does your dog normally eat? How often have you been feeding him? You want to make sure that you have these smooth transi- transitions as well as, hey, this happened here, has this happened before? And all of those other points of conversation any questions that you have make sure that you're that you're open with each other and because you never know after the two weeks like look he's just not the right dog for me because i have him at work and a dog lunges at him and barks at him and he just shuts down he freaks out um this isn't the job for him this um he hates my son screaming and running around or you know my one of my dogs and him have fought over bones and in resource guarding is too much of an issue with my dogs so those can be different reasons why you can you could have been like, hey, I've got this cattle dog and he's way too much intensity for me. I am not suitable. I'm inexperienced. I don't know how to deal with such a high energy working breed. Um, I don't know how to fulfill him. I don't have the time in the day. Things have changed now. We're coming out of lockdown into you know normal life, whatever you want to call that, which means that you're going to be more time poor, all of these things. So situation change. If you haven't thought about this, these things come up. That's why having that conversation with them is really, really important. And state it right from the beginning, have it in an email or some sort of conversation so it's there so it, there's no miscommunication, not just for the legal reasons, but also just so it's like, I oh, know, but I did say this, or you did say that. And last point for, the, for today's episode is regular family council to be discussing how's everyone feeling about the dog, where's everyone at. Don't be assuming that just because you're having a great time that everyone else is, is on board. So every day, 
every second day. Sit down. Hey, everyone, how's everyone feeling with Chile? Everything going good? Do you have any questions? What's been going on? Um, hey, I did observe this. This could be a red flag. You know, write these things down. Make sure that we have these conversations with everybody so there's no resentment four, five, six months down the track. But you wanted the dog and it's your dog and you don't do the stuff and you know that he had this issue. Make sure you have the conversation now. It's difficult. It's it's tough. It's emotional. But make the right decision from the beginning. And listen, there's a dog for everybody out there. Of, of course, when we're dealing with like extreme aggression issues and extreme anxiety or health issues, it's a whole different conversation. But for the average dog, there's, there's, somewhat, there's a right owner out there. So make sure that you're not locking yourself in if you know it's not the right decision um, i'm really really it's a really important point because a lot of people that i see are not suited for the right for that dog and i can be honest and open and we can talk about it i'm also going to give you all the remedies of how we can actually fix this but make sure we're making the right decision from from the beginning so learning from and i'm happy for for me to expose all of my mistakes if you've listened to our episodes that I'm always open about that because I not only do I need to learn from it and to vocalize and to own it is important, but also so we can make allow you to learn from the experience and not repeat the mistakes. And also if I can hold myself accountable to you as the listeners, then that way there I can be always striving to be the best dog trainer, the best counselor, the best coach, and also the best father and friend and neighbor and husband I can be. So, and, and of course a good brother to all our brothers and sisters it's important that we're always open and open with our families. Be honest and open with yourself too. And if you are in the position where you are trialing a dog, um, well, good luck. I hope it's all working out well if you're thinking about it or if you can remember this for next time. But um, that's where we're at with Chile. And at this stage, it looks like Chile is going to be staying with us unless something like dramatic happens over the next few days. But, um, but yeah, me and Tanya had the conversation last night. So that's where it looks like we're at. So it's all exciting times. It's a new chapter. And also, now it's time to practice everything that I preach and put all the training in it. And actually, just to finish on that, it has actually been quite, was quite ironic because it's been a while since I've looked after another dog at my own house. Obviously, we used to do dog mining and it was like, you know, up to six to 10 dogs a day staying with us. But um, but now, like, you know, leaving the house with Chili for that first couple of days, getting the pouch ready, getting my clicker ready, having the leash in the right position, put it, you know, making sure that the formalities are right and being more switched on with the environment around me and making sure that everything's right and I see something I don't like or and again just if you've listened this far into it now is that the only commands that I've been giving him is sit down and come I haven't been teaching anything new I've been teaching him just basics of um and also I've been teaching him to like watch to look at me because you already had that as a command but and then also doing lots of name game if that doesn't make sense to you, go on Nutris Pooch's YouTube channel and type in name game. And you can see that that's a really fundamental technique that I've been teaching every single client. If you're watching us on NP Dog Training on Instagram, you can see um, in my stories that we're practicing this a lot because I'm all about focus engagement on me. The more you focus on me, the more I can tell you to do stuff, the more that you can listen and, and to actually be a lot less stressed out by the world because I will handle the world around you. And I want our dogs to feel that. So that's what I've been really focusing on. But to practice what I preach, everything that I've been telling everyone, it's like, it's ironic because in a training session, we do it while we're there in the training session. It's a session revolving around dog training. It's like now we're finished. But training is learning about a mindset. Dog training is learning about understanding where your dog's at, thinking and acting and feeling like the dog. And being out in the world, 
and working on these counter conditioning techniques and to desensitize him and to work on our obedience and to strip it back to those raw basics. It's really, really cool because I can see now how does do these things actually, actually work? Um, how can I refine it? How can I be better? How can I add more to the toolbox? How can I um, teach myself and also now teaching Fiona because she's out there um, with Nutris Pooches helping helping out the other dog owners and puppy owners out there. So like, how can we continue to improve? And this is where it's at. So not only are we developing Chile, I'm continuing to develop myself and also putting the training into action. It has to be functional. Everything that we do, make training functional. Don't make it a a thing that you do, but a thing that you don't do sometimes. It's a mindset. And it's really, really important that we start to understand that. And that's where the trial adoption is all about. Start to train the dog those foundations in those periods and can they are they the dog that you're actually looking for and you should maybe know what dog you should be looking for there's an episode that that we've done talking about choosing a dog maybe we should get into more specifics and maybe you guys can let me know if you think about think if this is a good idea that maybe every random few episodes we talk about three different dog breeds and then we can like talk about the characteristics pros and cons to my opinion as well as what i see from others and I'm really thinking of doing that. So maybe the first, maybe you guys can tell me what three breeds you want to hear about. And maybe that could be something that you can post up on our, you can either share it on your, on, on your Instagram, or can, if you just send that through to us a DM on at life with your dog podcast on Instagram. Um, if you can do that, it'd be great. And that way that we can get something together and me and Luke can go into a little bit more detail about, about the breeds as well, because choosing the right dog, trialing the dog at your home and then living with your dog, they all should be coming together. Anyway, that's me for today. Thank you for listening to another episode of Life With Your Dog. Much love, much appreciation to you all. And wow, and that's the beginning of me trying to manage the dogs. And actually on, on that point real quickly, Chili's only gone through one thunderstorm now, so another one's coming in now. I know spades get stressed. I'm going to bring him inside, put the sound on, and get some music happening to kind of make him feel good. And I'm going to get Chili. I'm going to go for a run in that um, to the park, and we're going to do a big fun um, um, ball playtime and a bit of training while all of that stimulus is occurring to assess him, but also to build him and confidence. So that's my cue to leave. Much love to you all. Thank you so much. And we'll speak to you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to another show of Life With Your Dog. Please like, rate, and share if you're enjoying our podcast. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. For all dog training videos, tips and techniques, visit nooches Thank you and stay tuned for next time.